0: Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional.
1: you Know what's really good for your health? Do you know what nine out of ten doctors recommend? Uh, no shaking hands with as many strangers as possible, oh, God. all the time. So, just like going all day uh, to different events and just shaking hands with strangers and just interacting with strangers non stop. That's uh, that's known to be very, very good for your health. So, yeah, I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling great this week. Yeah,
0: uh, so. I could see how that would that would work in the long run because you're likely building your immune system uh, yeah, to be more powerful. Yeah. But it sounds like in or the you short can run, look, it look might at got it
1: got like uh, politicians are literal disease vectors. <laughs> oh, a politician man. is around that wants to shake your hand. Maybe you should think twice about that. Is all I'm saying. I,
2: I generally don't want to shake anybody's hand. I don't want to have no. to, you know, that because that usually involves having a conversation, and then you know, yeah. that's no good.
1: Yeah, you're not going to be good at running for office then, Steve. You're not. You're not. <laughs> no. I, I
2: don't I don't know. Does getting legend in Hearthstone qualify you for running for office? Cause...
1: Yes. Yeah, it does. Yes. Okay. You're now as qualified as Donald Trump to be president <laughs> of the United States. So, I
2: wonder what, ra- yes. what rank Donald Trump got to. I wonder what his r- win rate is.
0: Do you really wonder that, Steve? No, I Do really, really don't. I
2: really super don't wonder that at all, ever. <laughs> Um, So
1: this week I'm very – I'm so happy. Uh, We should tell our listeners, joking aside, uh, Georgia Dow, uh, her father passed this week. She uh, told us we could talk about that on the show. She wanted us to thank you for all of your very kind messages to her. Um, You know, you might want to jump on Twitter and just send her good wishes. But I'm so happy this week we have American Georgia Dow on the show (laughs) this week. Jessica, we're going to call you American Georgia on the show today. Is that okay? Uh,
3: Okay, That sounds like it might be difficult for you, but I would be honored. It's a lot of
2: syllables, Bree. I
0: don't know if I have
3: that kind of energy. I like it. I
0: like it.
3: You
1: like it? Yeah. George is is nice and Jessica is nice.
2: (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and they both enjoy murder in their own special ways.
1: That's true. Yeah. No, I was sitting there. I'm like, who can fake being nice for an hour? Who do I know? <laughs> who do I know? And it was so hard. Uh, so that's why I invited
3: you, Jessica. Well, I'll do my best. And I, I promise not to curse too much.
0: <laughs> good, good, good.
2: Because uh, if you do curse too much, then I, I start to enjoy a special kind of murder. So, ow.
3: okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I've been in the editor's seat. <laughs> Every yeah. week, and yeah.
2: Yeah, the editor's seat is, is remarkably like the Iron Maiden, so.
3: It is. <laughs> That's, That's actually very, very accurate,
0: very accurate. Yeah.
1: I think he meant to say every word from Brianna Wu is just so important and well-spoken that editing the show every week is a pleasure.
2: You know, I, I'm just <laughs> waiting for, like, Adobe was supposed to be working on that, on that software that would, like, change... The the words right. that you use, so uh, I was trying yeah. to figure out if I could get it, my hands on that, so that when, you know, when on the rare occasions when you do drop f bombs on the show, I could change it to like farfignugan <laughs> or something, and yeah. you know, or yeah, or, or Daisy
0: good. or or butterfly. Yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> I would love that's that. That that sounds like a good time. <sighs> um, so let's let's uh, let's get going with the show here. Uh, we are going to talk tonight about creepy things on the internet. Uh, st- starting with, uh, and, and we'll round things out with a little bit of a celebration about uh, somebody who lost a certain job. Uh yeah. So, so starting, starting out, let's talk about how uh, our favorite ride-sharing company, and by the way, that was very sarcastic because, as I've said before, Uber is absolutely disgusting. Um, but, you know, the world's favorite ride sharing company uber uh it turns out that uh, they use some really interesting gaming tactics to keep drivers motivated to keep them on the road and uh, to keep using them past what in normal situations would kind of be illegal. Uh, So so you have to think about how normal corporations that have to function under the rules of of employment, when when an employee goes into overtime, then they get paid more money, they can only work so much, they get to have lunch breaks, there are all these rules in place. But the way that Uber works, because people are essentially freelance, those same rules do not apply. And so... Uber is basically using different psychological techniques to keep drivers on the road for longer, and they're still not really paying for overtime. So there are are techniques where they show that you can make more money if you just stay on the road a little bit longer, and you're always this close to getting to your next payout, and all of these different uh, psychological tricks that make people want more. It's, it's psychologically proven that they, they, you know, they want to keep going and they feel motivated by these things. So, uh, yeah, how, how, do, how do we all feel about these companies using video game uh, tools to trick us into working harder than we should?
1: I think the whole thing is so overblown, Micah. And there is so much that's legit to be... Upset with Uber about? I mean, um, you know their treatment of women, their aggressive hiring practices, them doing ridiculously unsafe things in uh, San Francisco's self-driving cars, and just deciding to you know give a big fu to the DMV. that's stuff to be concerned about. What I saw here was applied psychologists, um, you know, basically using very well-known methods for user acquisition uh, with a product where and I have to say I think the comparison you're giving to like things in a workplace like uh you know encouraging people to stay late I don't think that's a very fair comparison because you can opt out anytime you want what I saw here was a, a reasonable strategy for user retention like getting people rolled into the program and I'm just completely mystified why a, anyone is surprised that company Uber size is doing this, and B, why anyone has a problem with this. Like uh, uh, League of Legends, you know? They, they use this for, for, like, online community management. Twitter uses this. Facebook uses this. Uh, you know, Google uses this. This is, this is completely normal stuff. It's just Uber is somehow held to a double standard here.
3: Well... Yeah. I mean, so obviously this is not the thing that I would be most upset. If I if I made a big list of, of, <laughs> of my complaints about Uber, this would not be at the top. But it is super creepy. And one of the um, main things that I kind of specialize in is mobile games. And they are using the exact same creepy – it's not illegal and it's not like nobody's probably going to die or anything. But it is pretty disturbing. Um, and it, I – I really just don't like the idea of the way that they're sort of tapping into sort of your lizard brain to get you to behave in ways that are contrary to your own self interest. And yeah, you could opt out. You could, you know, refuse to drive over there. You could not accept um, a new rider when you're in the middle of driving somewhere. But it's, I just, I can't, I can't approve of this. I don't approve of it in. Like slot machine games that you can get on your iPhone, don't do that. They're bad. Don't do it. And I I don't really approve of it uh, in this scenario either. I I mean, no, granted, I'm like the biggest starry-eyed optimist, and I would, you know, pay everybody a living wage for doing a reasonable amount of work, and we would live in a socialist utopia. Um I'm <laughs> I may also be Canadian Georgia Dow where they have not <laughs>
1: not
3: a not a socialist um utopia, but certainly Closer to one than than we have here, it's just kind of gross.
1: I guess I just i don't understand how it's any different than what other companies do, like when Twitter really carefully masters their um, you know, process to get users to opt into using that product. Or, you know, like uh, I go for work at XYZ Corporation and I get shiny, happy, like indoctrination videos mm-hmm. about my workplace. I don't see how this is any different. Like those jobs and occupations are have the onboarding process designed by the same kind of psychologists. I, I don't see the distinction here.
3: Well, the the main distinction um, between, like, a regular job where you sit at a desk or, you know, you're employed by a big company is, as Micah mentioned, that you – there are legal limits on things like overtime and you're required to take breaks at certain times. And granted, you know, in, especially in, like, tech companies, people totally ignore that stuff, but – if you are an employee and you feel like you want to take your entitle – you know, you want to take your the breaks that you're entitled to and your company, you feel like you can't, you can actually bring suit against your employer. Um, it probably won't go well for you and you may find a big black mark against your name. But you can do that and, and it should. At least, you know, the laws right now are written so that you're supposed to be able to do that sort of thing. Um, right. And like so – To me, it's not like a super good defense Well, Twitter does the same thing. Like, I don't really approve of Twitter that much. I use it, but their actions aren't like a shining standard to aspire to.
0: Steve, uh, it sounded like you were going
3: to say something as well.
2: Yeah, I I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because there are these stories like these. I mean, so I work in business intelligence, right? So what I do, my day job is collecting all this data, and then I don't actually like sometimes we write the algorithms like I don't actually like come up with what we want to do with it necessarily, but I facilitate that. So, you know, collecting a lot of data, you know, writing, making available the software that processes the data. Um, I'm starting to get into, you know, writing the algorithms that can do a lot of the statistical work that processes this data and can allow you to do these sorts of things. And it's, it's always kind of a worry that, not to go over to the dark side, right? Like it's, there's a lot of creepy things you can do with data. There's a lot of, a lot of harm you can do with data. I mean, we've had conversations on this show about um, about machine learning algorithms that had a bias that were in, in, in terms of the prison system and stuff like that. Um, I like on the one hand, like what they're doing is what I would expect a company like Uber or Lyft to be doing. They're trying to maximize their operational efficiency. And what they're doing is they're using the data to tell them, look, if we have this many drivers in, you know, during a surge, then that's going to end up in this many missed rides. But if we have this many more, then we'll have we'll we'll be able to avoid some of those lost rides. And so we need to be able to motivate people to be able to drive, because at the end of the day, they can't like they don't have people on shifts. So they need to be able to use other other means to to motivate people to want to do it because they it's not like it's not like a supermarket where they say you need to be here between 10 and 6 because we're going to have, you know, it's the day before before Thanksgiving and there's going to be a lot of people. So we need to have all the registers open. Some of the people who are doing it, obviously, the drive, a lot of the drivers are people who are taking those jobs because that's what's available to them. And I don't know that they necessarily know that they're being, you know, that that these psychological trips are being used against them. And that's where it's a little bit fuzzy, right? Like like if you're playing Candy Crush, most people know what Candy Crush is trying to do to you. I don't know if that's as clear in the context of gig economy type of thing. But that said, I wouldn't expect Uber or Lyft to be doing anything different. Their job is to maximize the amount of money and there's nothing illegal to what they're doing. Is it unethical? You could make an argument one way or the other, but I'm not, I'm not super surprised that they're doing these things either.
0: It doesn't surprise me that they're doing it uh, at all. I think that it it makes absolute sense. And it's the, the world we live in and all that jazz. I will say that what it uh, reminds me of in a way is, you know, if I go to a, If I go to a casino, I can go there and I can spend money on slots or blackjack or what have you, and I know that what I'm doing there is uh, running the risk of losing a lot of money, and chances are you are. That's why these uh, casinos are in business, because you end up losing a lot – or people end up losing a lot more than they end up winning. And up to a certain point – like people understand that. But then there are people who don't understand that. And there are people who get into a loop of having this, this brain chemical of this feels so good to win, that they actually become addicted to that feeling. And in the same way, you you can opt out of playing lottery up to a certain point, And that's where we, you know, we're starting to face something like being addicted to, uh, to gambling, and we have to worry about that. And we have to take care of that situation. And so even though I I doubt, I highly doubt that anyone becomes addicted to uh, Uber driving, those same kind of principles applied here and in other places, it's at least something worth knowing. It's, it's worth knowing and being absolutely aware of the different types of, of games that they play in the same way that, you know, you can go online and look up and find out how casinos game humans in order to get them to keep playing. So yeah, no, no surprise. I mean, come on. Uh, this company and every other company and probably companies that I've worked for and every companies that everybody here has worked for, all that jazz are doing stuff to maximize their bottom line. That's just the way of the world. And I think that, uh, this is just a, let's talk about the latest thing that Uber's doing and it's going to pull in clicks because Uber is, is in the news for being terrible. So what's the latest and greatest thing that they're doing? It makes sense.
1: I guess I, I have to ask you guys, I'm being really honest here. How often do all of you do ride shares? Cause I do it probably three or four times a week,
3: <laughs> three or four
1: times a year for me. Okay. I, I feel like, I mean, Steve, do you do it a lot? I,
2: I signed up for Lyft for the first time like last week because I had to go to something okay. in
0: Boston.
1: I mean, Micah, Micah.
0: Yeah, we do do, we do do
1: it a lot
0: because we have one vehicle. So between the two of us, we end up using it.
1: So I would love to know if you agree with me on this. I have probably talked to 200 Uber and Lyft drivers over the last three years. And, um, you know, a really common theme that I see with them when I talk to them is they're people that used to work in one industry, um, you know, because we're kind of having this economy fall apart all around us. Um, You know, then they kind of moved over to ride sharing because it's something they can do to supplement their job to help pay for like an emergency, help pay for kids, you know, um, and, and they make good money. Like the people I talk to generally enjoy their job. So I think that, you know, like when you guys are talking about an exploited workforce, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, this is not a, a, an economy where most people are paid a living wage anymore. Right. And, you know, everyone is barely scraping by. But I think that, like, the issue with people working Uber too much. I think that has more to do with a a broken economy and a rigged economy than it does about anything that Uber is doing that is, uh, you know, like unethical. So I, I just – I think like it's kind of a short-sighted view that you have about the problem here. Yeah.
2: yeah no, I'm actually – I was actually going to say that this goes along with our conversation we had about universal basic income that because right. – Because you have people who just jobs that they used to do didn't exist, they have to do this. And, and at the end of the day, if they're driving more, they're making more money. I think the, the only time that – the only one that really kind of – it made me a bit conflicted, and I understand why they do it because it's it 's in the company 's interest to maximize profits you know over the over the driver 's profits is that you know a driver will benefit more from driving in a surge area than uber does, and so right. they'll they 'll you know try they 're kind of work that 's the time that they 're that they 're working across purposes. You know what I mean? Where where the drivers really do want to be in a surge area when there's a surge and Uber's going to try to get them there with uh, saying that there's a surge there. But they're they're sending so many people there that there won't be a surge there when and by the time that they get there. And so it's that's kind of an issue where they have all the power in the situation. But again, they're also providing income to people who wouldn't otherwise have it. Um, I I do, I do think some of this is just because it's Uber and Uber is doing so many other terrible things. That's why I made sure to point, to point out when I started saying that, that Lyft was doing it too, because Lyft is considered to be the uh, acceptable alternative to Uber. And, and it lets you do things like tip the driver, which Uber, I don't know if Uber lets you now, I know the last time I did it, they didn't, they'd be doing their, the business a disservice by not doing some of this stuff because at the end of the day, they're the people who are who are in charge of operations. Their job is to maximize efficiency. They wouldn't be mm-hmm. doing their job if they weren't doing some of this stuff. I right. think that you know the, and it's the same way that we talk about you know people who enjoy respond Candy Crush responsibly. Um, right. You know, <laughs> I think some of those people do know what they're getting into. I think for the for those that don't, there's a little bit more of a gray area there. But it does sound like at least they're trying to build some empathy into the system like if they are getting you know reports about somebody not being on top of their game a couple rides in a row they may they send a message hey maybe you ought to call it quits for the night or or something like that yeah
1: i i think if you are interested in giving rideshare driver is a better shake. Like This is what I want to do as your congresswoman. I want to look at um, having Uber responsible for depreciation on equipment. Steve, if you're a really big shoe company goes out and buys a shoemaking machine, like you have to invest in that equipment and then you get a depreciation table and you deduct that on your taxes. The way that this works, uh, Uber drivers are not really able to... They're in this weird zone where Uber is getting to use their equipment, but they're not paying for the depreciation, they're not paying for the insurance on their car, um, I would like to get them in a situation where those things are being considered. And I do think if someone is working for you 40 hours a week, I don't think that they're a freelance employee. I think at that point you need to start looking at you know, mandatory uh, you know, benefits that we have for um, you know, full-time employees. I think that stuff is fair. I think, you know, talking about some psychological tricks for onboarding new drivers, something that is very difficult to do because let's face it, like I don't want to drive strangers around in my car. That's scary to think about. So like a process to get people involved in that, that seems utterly reasonable for a business to have.
0: All right, I want to tell you all about Smile. This episode of Disruption is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander for Teams is a productivity multiplier. You get a shared knowledge base to ensure your team communicates quickly and accurately. And with Text Expander, all of your team's common replies can be worded by your best writers. Then they're all immediately accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts. The response they need will be just a couple keys away. And any changes you need to make are updated seamlessly in the background. And honestly, what's great about Text Expander is that it's available on the platforms your team is on. It's on the Mac, it's on iOS, and yes, it's even on Windows. So, let's say you start out at a new job or you've been working at a job for a while and you're looking to make some new friends. Let me tell you, one of the best ways you could do that to to be loved and adored and uh, praised by all of your colleagues is to make some text expander snippets that will save them time. Uh, Not too long ago, I put together some different snippets and I decided to uh, talk, to brag a little bit about the snippets that I'd created. And suddenly I had messages in Slack from a whole bunch of different people asking me, can I have that snippet? Can I I please have that snippet. So think about what you do and some of the things that might be repetitive in what you do and consider making some snippets and then sharing them around like pieces of gum.
2: If you do any sort of support in your job, if you work in IT or you work in work for software, devel- a software development house and you do any sort of support, like you need to look at Text expander right away. Like we have we do a couple of big um, upgrades a year. And inevitably we end up with a couple of common situations that we normally know about ahead of time and we send out an email ahead of time and nobody reads their email ahead of time. So, you know, Text Expander is a lifesaver for just being able to, to respond to those tickets right away, especially if it's some sort of a complicated procedure or a multi-step procedure that you don't want to have to type out over and over again. You just put like three keystrokes in Text Expander, you respond to the email and you get back to what you were doing. And and it's like magic. So if you do any sort of work like that, you absolutely need to look into this.
1: It's like, uh, you know, I created a text expander shortcut recently for texting Jessica Dennis to have her <laughs> fill on the show last minute because it's been something I've had to do at least 20 times in the last week. So yeah, and now it's just. OMG, Jessica Dennis, disaster. Can you please save my bacon? And it's just, I just go, Z-O-M-G. And then magic Jessica Dennis appears on my podcast. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> yes, it could beckon people. Yes. Um,
1: April is actually Text
0: Expander's first anniversary. In that time, the Text Expander crew have added team statistics, group notes, public groups, monthly activity reports, the Windows app, tons of client software updates, <laughs> and so much more. We would like to extend our congratulations to Smile and Text Expander for hitting this milestone, and we do wish them every success in the coming years. You can go to support this awesome team who are Seriously awesome and seriously so nice, and celebrate their anniversary by going to TextExpander.com disruption. Thank you so much to Text Expander and all the folks at Smile for their support of this show. Yay! Alrighty, thank you. Uh, moving on to more creepy news uh, D- Disney. If you've if you've been there in recent years, unlike me who hasn't been there since I was like four or something, what? Um, yeah,
3: Where did it go. What? Oh Micah.
0: Micah. no, we need to take you. made
1: for Disney, dude.
0: <laughs> we need this, to take you. No, no, you. no. See, this is an unpopular opinion. I Uh-oh. really. I so I love roller coasters and I don't care about all the rest of it. And so, like you wait so long in lines at Disney World and Disneyland, and it just doesn't. It's not. no. It's, it's no not, you
2: see, it's not you buy me. a magic well, band, and then you just walk on the ride, Micah Sergeant. You don't. Right. You all schedule, the
3: rides. You schedule everything in advance, and then you you have. Oh, it's. Micah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. And, and at Disneyland, there's one really good roller coaster, and Space Mountain's a freaking classic. I don't want to hear anybody saying that Space Mountain is not an awesome roller coaster because it is.
1: All right, Micah, I've got your back. I've got your back today. If you don't want to go to Disney— I respect that opinion which is wrong I, it. <laughs> I, I appreciate that come on michael I, wouldn't you like frozen. to ride
2: on that frozen ride over and over again and just enjoy all the lovely animatronic robots
0: you know how i feel about that ride, right, steve <laughs> <laughs> how i feel about it is what? Were, not you talking, good.
1: Sh- were you talking were you talking about the frozen ride yes i was because it's friggin creepy <laughs> Oh, my God. You've got to let the Disney magic into your heart, Michael Sargent. <laughs> yeah. You are jaded. You're I only, am. what, 24 years old, 27 years old, whatever yes. it is. And you are already a jaded Bob Woodward-style journalist. He's
2: salty on a Steve Lubitz level, which is impressive for oh someone God, of his, of his yeah. young age.
3: I don't get Disney. I don't okay, get it. Here's, here's another thing, though, that you might not know about Disney. is one of the best things that you can do at Disney world is nothing and eating what what i always do um i stay at the grand floridian which is like amazing and beautiful and awesome and it smells really nice they have like this specific smell that they pump into it um and it has this restaurant in it victoria and albert's that does not allow children under the age of 12 (gasps) oh yeah and they have like this prefix menu and wine pairings and it's just like it's like a three-hour amazing dining experience
2: yeah. They make you wear a jacket if you're a dude, though, so that's a, de- that's a deal they breaker. Do.
3: Is but now it's when so I admit good. that I
0: really don't get joy out of eating food because...
3: Okay, I just have nothing with you. Micah, I don't know Micah, why we're friends. Micah,
0: <laughs> look, look, listen, Micah, yes. I have a, I have a role
2: on this show, okay? Uh-huh. And you you seem like you're horning in on my territory right now, and I'm not going to stand <laughs>
0: for it. Are you feeling attacked, Steve? <laughs> I am. I'm feeling very,
2: very under siege right now, Micah Sargent, but...
1: Okay, okay, Micah. The reason I like Disney World is because it is a fascinating live experiment in human psychology (laughs) and (laughs) and, and manipulation. Okay, this could sell me. That's true. I I genuinely am fascinated with this every time I go to Disney. So if you went in uh, 1998, I took a class uh, called Disney and the Rise of Consumer Culture. Uh, which was a class all about disney 's uh, psychological manipulation methods, and it, like once you get there, you will like notice that when you 're waiting in line for things, you can never see the end of the line. Like they let you see a portion of the room and then you're moved through this small room into the next small room. So it's this constantly manipulative thing where they get you to have this candy and get on a ride and then they spit you out by the the gift shop. But everything is so programmed in a way to make you feel happy that I'm genuinely terrified for the people that work there. Like if you go (laughs) up to the front ticket desk, they are so – like Stepford Wivey, happy, yeah. and it yeah. is
3: scary. That's why I didn't work at Disney. <laughs> I worked at Knott's Berry Farm. You didn't have to be nice.
1: And then, like, you're walking around and you're you're seeing like this stuff, like this Disney garbage. That's like just destroying the environment (laughs) like for just manufacturing this stuff that will end up in landfills. And then like you go on a ride with like a lovely message about environmentalism. You're like, I'm in freaking Disney World and it's just the utter hypocrisy of it. It's awesome. (laughs) It's awesome. I love it. That has
0: come the closest to actually convincing me that this is worth my time more than anything else that anyone said. Uh, Okay, well let let us go forth and talk about this topic before I make uh, an enemy of all the internet with my latest (laughs) revelation. Uh, So Disney has started now to give out these these little magic bands that are that they. They're supposed to, like, as you're walking around the park, you can you, you know stick it up on a little reader and it'll make a little chime and do this cute little animation and it lets you uh, skip through lines, it lets you buy things, it lets you, it's connected with different rides as well, so then you can get a photograph sent to your phone, like whenever you're at the top of, of the hill on a roller coaster. There are a bunch of different integrations that it can do, but basically it's a little kind of RFID tag that keeps track of you and also lets the park access your different information and your your credit card and all that jazz, which is a really neat thing. But uh, Adam Clark Estes decided to kind of Take a deeper look at the magic band and see exactly what's going on inside of the device and what all it actually can do. And interestingly, it has, it's, like I said, it's an RFID technology and it has two different radio uh, chips inside of it. One that is used for short range, like where you go up and tap on a terminal, and another one is a long range. That actually lets different beacons within the track within the park kind of track where you are. Now, outwardly, again, this is for doing things like paying uh, to to have I don't know a, what can you get meat there I don't know <laughs> Can you get a, a big old chicken leg? Uh, you could use it to yeah, buy tur- stuff turkey legs, court. turkey legs, yeah, yeah turkey legs. Yeah, That's what I was trying to think. You may be Mutton. joking,
3: but yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and then the the longer the longer ones are to kind of see your your position within the park, but. Interestingly, uh, this technology could be used for other things, including uh, based on how the actual device is set up, it could tell if you have other Bluetooth devices on your person. So it's not actually Bluetooth LE that's low energy itself, but the technology could easily be used to kind of see what else you might have if you have like a Fitbit or something like that. So the idea here is that this band could learn a lot about you. Um, It is important to note that Disney says that this is encrypted and that it is anonymized and it's not connected to you and with, it's made with privacy in mind. But, um, Steve, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that specifically, as well as uh, everybody's take on the Magic Band.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it can't possibly be completely anonymized because it does tie like when you go to Disney World now. It's not like you just go and you and you go and stand on a ride for 20, on the line for 20 minutes and you get on the ride like you have. There is a whole planning segment of the trip that takes place. What, like six months ahead of time? Probably, I think, is when you could start doing <laughs> reservations for for rest for uh, table service restaurants, if I remember correctly. Um, I
1: can't even imagine planning uh, for your Disney that way. Frank and I wake up in the morning and we go, what's the first bus to come? Is it going to be Animal Kingdom (laughs) or, or Hollywood Studios? And then we jump on that bus and go there. And yeah, that's how we do it. And we also wait until three in the afternoon to go. So all the kids are tired out and then we just stay at the park till it gets dark. So I don't Disney that way. And I think you're just sick. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in, fair, in fairness, you have though, Brie, like
2: you, you do not have three girls who are dead set on meeting Cinderella and more actually more importantly, Cinderella's evil sisters for some reason. Um, but this is the same kid who wanted to have a meet and greet with Kylo Ren. So, you know, what are you, what he you to do? But, um, but what you start like planning the stuff like months in advance potentially. And so you, you make your restaurant reservations, you get fast pass pluses, which are essentially, um, you get a certain number of, of passes per day where you effectively can skip the line and you, there's a separate entrance, where you go and you you hold your magic band up, and then once at your appointed time, you have like an hour window that you can go on, and you skip like you don't skip the whole line, but you skip like ninety percent of it. Um, they also have like we one of my we don't we don't get them for both of my daughters because one of them just daughters with autism because one of them just doesn't want to ride rides period. But the one who does, there's a guest assistance program where you know she gets very anxious and very. Um, upset when she's like crowded in with a lot of people for a long period of time. So there, they have a, a special guest assistance program where we would go to the entrance and then basically come back after whatever the wait for the line would have been. Um, but again, that's also tied to the Magic Band as well and things like like so. Whatever you're doing that's not like standing in line and waiting for the ride is tied to this. And and the thing that was surprising to me at the at the last one that they mentioned in the article is that so they take these pictures of you like when you're at the top of the hill in Splash Mountain or like going around the 65-mile-an-hour um, bank in Test Track or whatever. They take a picture of you, and then it used to be that they would have a board out on the, at the end of the ride with numbers, and you take the number over to the counter, and you would, get a, you would get a portrait made. Now you have an account that's tied to your, your, your login that you bought the tickets against, and they just figure out that that's the, that's the car you're in and send that picture to your account automatically, and you don't even have to do anything. Which is really, really convenient, and it's also—I mean—if you're concerned about those kinds of things, it's kind of creepy, also.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jessica. I mean, how do you feel about this? Before I, I, just, before I chime in,
3: yeah, yeah, I just can't get too upset about that. I mean, it's a little—I mean, on the one hand, that's kind of like amazing. Yeah, it is. is cool? It's really
2: cool that they can do it. I know yeah. yeah.
3: exactly so cool. which boat you're in, but also like. All of the data that they could possibly be collecting about me while I'm at Disney World is like useless. I it's I prefer this restaurant and I like these rides and I walk around this much, but not this much. And just like everybody else, I have 3 Bluetooth devices on my person at all times. Maybe 4.
1: Yeah. Kind
3: yeah. of think. <laughs> at least 3. <laughs>
1: I, I guess the way I feel is I, I don't think this is a big deal. So let me let me tell you guys a story. Last time I was at Yankee Stadium uh, with Frank, um, we're walking out, and this Red Sox fan is there, and he looks at all the Yankees fans they are cheering uh, because they won the game. And he goes, well, I'll show you what we do to that in Boston. He just rears back and punches him in the face. <laughs> and... That's, That's cool. what humans do to each other under normal circumstances. Disney is a hyper-controlled psychological experiment to kind of enforce certain social niceties. I mean, part of it is because it's so expensive to get in and alcohol is limited um, and there's this family vibe everywhere. That, like, getting to that result, like, you're already in, like, the equivalent of a, a, a very pleasant, like prison lockdown, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, well, you're going West
2: Westworld basically, so yeah, it wasn't you are. prison it, lockdown.
1: One of my favorite things to do is to look around at Disney and try to identify the undercover police officers, which are be- dressed as tourists. And you can identify them from like their, um, from like their headgear that they're wearing. And they don't carry guns, obviously, but you can see like some of the equipment that they've got to like take care of situations. So, you know, when you go into Disney, you are in a very, very, very tightly controlled space. They've got heat lamps there to like to tell like what population is in what part of the park. Like, look at the Disney uh, Wikipedia article on like SWAT incidents that they've had in the park. Like, they've got militarized forces standing. There for a terrorism incident. They've got the highest tech scanners in the world to like detect explosives in the most pleasant way as you go into the park. So like you're talking about magic bands. This is something generally used for very uh, innocuous reasons. Like it's to to lower the pain point of like digging out your wallet to like make you forget about all of this stuff. And I've got to tell you, if like you're worried about the the like you know Fahrenheit nine eleven. like you know uh you know uh repercussions of this like you need to give it up because you're at Disney world right like, yeah. you're already yeah. in the matrix people so <laughs>
2: yeah I, I mean I, I, well and that's where I was coming around to because I like I'm probably the most resistant to a lot of this stuff uh of out of all of us I, as as uh, evidenced by the regular text messages I send Micah with whatever horrible <laughs> thing I've I've seen from uh, from internet uh, internet of crap that which is not the name mm. of the account
3: on Twitter <laughs> a good account though.
2: um but it's but I I mean we do it and and we do it and and I don't ha- even think about it when we're doing it and and it's kind of amazing that Disney can get me to not worry about it. When we're there, I think is is kind of the biggest magic trick. But I, I, there is a point that you're there for basically a week long magic show is like you're, you're going there knowing that there's somebody behind the scenes, you know, hiding a ball behind his behind his ear or whatever. But you just go in and you know that, that that's what they're doing. It's OK because it's kind of confined to that experience right like for that week fine you can know exactly where I am and again this is just like Uber they would be remiss if they weren't collecting this data and if they weren't using it to for example like track what the jet what the average uh population within the park is on any given day and try to and try to route crowds to different parts of the park to try to even out the crowds like I would expect that's absolutely something that they're doing um exactly Yeah. And, and there's a lot of stuff they can do with that, with that data. And I think a lot of it, you're right, is is completely innocuous. And even the stuff that's not, I mean, they're good. Disney's, if you go into Disney world and you don't know that they're going to try to, you know, separate you from your money at every opportunity, then, (laughs) you know, you're, you're being naive in the first place. Like I know from the first time that I spend $90 on a counter service meal for five that I, you know, after a while you just can't, worry about it. And that's just part of the part of the trip, unfortunately. So but you know, I think because of the fact that it is just within the park, and you would never want to wear the magic band out of the park, and even if you did, it wouldn't do anything. It's, it's not a big deal.
0: That's the biggest thing to me right there is that this is just a social contract and perhaps even more so because there are probably agreements when by buying this ticket, you blah, 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 whatever you, you just, you're agreeing to whatever happens in the park happening in the park. And I think that that's just something, yeah, you can't really be naive about if you go in and you uh, partake in the, the, happy drugged food and you <laughs> partake in the whole social experiment, then you're part of it and you do the thing while you're there. And as the the writer of that, that article pointed out, you can still just get tickets. You don't have to do the happy, not happy band, the magic band thing if you don't want to. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's just an agreement. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, especially I think that in our modern day and age, oh my, in our modern day and age, we do sort of have agreements in place where we say, okay, for the sake of XYZ convenience, I'm going to give up ABC. And so, you know, I guess like Siri knows some stuff about me and yeah, it's local, but the point is our devices know things about us and the technology in our house may know things about us. Like my thermometer knows my address because it uses that to figure out what the temperature is outside to then make my house more pleasant. And I am comfortable with giving that up and knowing you know, where that might go and where it might not. So if I get to not have to pull out my card, as Bree pointed out, and get to uh, skip to the front of the line without having to fumble with pieces of paper or however it would normally work to get your reservations, then I think that's a fantastic thing. And that's, that's just something that you are agreeing to. So there's nothing necessarily here that's so terrifying that is past what you're kind of agreeing to in the first place. And if they can make things more magical, then cool for the people who want to go to Disney places. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, maybe a magic band would make you less sad about Disney World, Micah, maybe you, maybe that's if you Disney. had a, maybe if you just had an IOT device sending off wireless signals, you would enjoy the experience <laughs> that much more. I think maybe that's the part that you've been missing from your Disney experience is being able to send your data out everywhere and allow it to be collected by third parties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> Maybe part of the problem is I barely remember, you know, the trip that I took when I was a kid. So I, I don't really know what Disney is like. And now all I can think about is is money and like how much it costs to go to
3: one of those oh, places. Yeah. So you have to not I, think I, about I that.
1: I do have to. I do have to say though, Micah, like the the Disney trip I have is so different than the one Steve has. Yeah, like I feel I'm like sure. there are two classes of disney because disney is fracking awesome for couples yes. because you go there and i i'm sorry don't judge me Stephen <laughs> don't, don't judge me steve but i go there and i'm looking at all the parents with kids having meltdowns and crying <laughs> yeah. and i'm like and i swear in the back of my mind going why on earth would you subject yourself to this personal hell? I can imagine nowhere worse to have kids than Disney. And you can just see the anger in the parents' faces. When they're like, why won't you have fun? We're spending six grand. Why aren't you having fun? And, like, and then for me, it's just like, you're you're hanging out and you get to go on the dinosaur ride and you're holding your partner's hand and you're just like having dinners out. And what is so awesome about Disney is it's a place where you, like you have something to do, whether it's just like cross the park or walk, you know, watch a show or go get some food. Like it's just this really fun space to have with your partner. And that's why I go every single year because Frank and I, always come back much better connected than when we left and it's really good for our marriage. So, you know, take that. It's, I, I hate Disney characters. I hate Mickey. I hate (laughs) Vinny. I hate Donald Duck. I, I just, I don't like any of the the programs that they do, but I love Disney because it's just a really great experience for a couple.
2: I I mean, and that, yeah, like Maureen and I did our, our honeymoon there too. Like we, we've done both, both kinds and I can absolutely I can absolutely second that. And, and I'll say that as difficult as it can be to go with kids sometimes, though it is a lot better now that they're older when they were, when they were toddlers, it wasn't great. But again, two of my daughters are autistic. One of them, um, she gets very, she reacts very strongly to sense to sensory things, both positively and negatively. And most of the time it's negatively. And You know, the watching her face when she is has just gotten off like the Snow White Mine Train or Big Thunder Mountain where she's overwhelmed, like in a sensory way. But it's it's good and it's like euphoric for her in a way that I don't usually get to see her that way. Like that is worth every penny of, oh, going to, of going of going to my Disney heart World
3: just grew two sizes yeah yes. and, and
2: it's worth every penny it's worth every frustrating moment it's worth all of the agita to see her face light up when she gets off one of those rides and you know and want to go again and that is worth all of it for me so okay yeah.
3: I'm still not having kids, but I'm very happy for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. not,
2: I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't recommend it if you're not already
0: inclined. I'll, I'll put it, I'll
2: put it yeah, that no. way. But... No,
1: no. The <laughs> right, Jessica. Non-parent bride.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's how it works. I, yeah. I have to say, Bree, you did a dadgum good job of convincing me that there's hope for me yet when it comes to <laughs> Disney love. So awesome. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, well, let's let's go ahead and move on to talk yeah. about, as I mentioned earlier, some delicious news that took place. Uh, uh, Steve Bannon, Ugh, I just I feel gross even. I, I'm saying ashamed that name, to but- share a first name with him. I'll just say you should be. Yeah, you yeah. should be, Steve. How dare you? Uh, but why should I change
2: my name? Because he's the one who sucks. <laughs>
0: Steve Bannon who is Trump's chief strategist uh a while back was put on to the National Security Council which e- which was absolutely 100,000% unprecedented to take place and Now, a presidential memorandum from Donald Trump removed him from the National Security Council. Uh, Steve Bannon told people that the reason he got taken off was because he came in to, uh, quote, de-operationalize, unquote, the place, and that had been done. So now things are going to return back to the way they were. But there were reports that uh, Donald Trump was not pleased. Uh, There were many reasons why, but one of the reasons, allegedly, is that Donald Trump was not pleased with the fact that people were saying that Steve Bannon was in power in the White House and was the actual president of the United States running things. So I, you know, I was I was honestly thinking that uh, if if this is true, it's again reported, I was honestly thinking that that would be one step too far for even uh, Donald Trump, that he wouldn't be that much of a child that hearing people say that he wasn't president would actually get to him. And it did. Are you new allegedly. here, Micah? Uh, of,
3: no, course just, it <laughs> of course, no, I did. Of course, that's I, what happened.
0: I <laughs> have. I really didn't think that it could go even that far. I thought that you know you. I feel like even a a, a nine year old person would know <laughs> that this person just trying to get to me. But even then, no, that didn't work. So yeah, that happened. Let's celebrate. What up?
3: Cheeto giveth, the cheeto taketh away. <laughs>
1: I just I mean I wanted to advocate for this topic mega quickly because you know obviously Breitbart is a you know it's caused a, a just a gigantic amount of hurt for me personally and my friends and it's um you know just an entirely unethical organization and um yeah you know, I think beyond the the gossip of it the uh, The Times article on it was really interesting, like you see more seasoned uh, generals at the Pentagon. Uh, kind of pushing back against, um, you know, basically Bannon inserting himself into our uh, national security. Um, and, you know, he's completely unqualified to be there. Uh, he has no business there. And, you know, he's somebody that's manipulating the situation to, you know, br- basically bring out the uh, worst of Trump's instincts as, uh, you know, the paper leaked that people said about him. So, um You know, I think it's far too early to count him out, but uh, I just can't help but note the irony of, you know, being thrilled that the, you know, the Pentagon is apparently the adults in the room. You know, for me, um, politics stop, uh, you know, partisan politics stop at the United States border. I am, you know, even as we're recording the show, the United States just went to war with uh, Syria. Uh, which is very, very scary. So, um, you know, I really deeply worry about our national policy uh, security under this president. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad as an American that this incredibly unqualified person is not there anymore. And I'm happy to see that he's making some serious enemies in the White House. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and we'll be happier when he's just out of the White House entirely. But this is a good first step, at least.
0: Hi, yeah, I hope it I hope it continues and uh we say goodbye because you think that you think that unqualified and dangerous stops at uh Donald Trump but this is like six times worse than that because there's just so much ugh, yeah, no. Mm. Um Steve, I believe <laughs> Oh, that rhymed. Steve, I believe (laughs) it is time for questions from listeners, listener questions.
2: Okay, so we have one question uh, that's a little bit on the longer side, but it seems like it's uh, relevant, relevant to our interests. Um, So we have a question from Eric who says, um, I know you're not a a video game podcast anymore, but I'll but I'll ask for your insight on the subject anyway. Uh, why why do Japanese fighting games seem to be in the opposite direction of everything else in pop culture? What I mean is, in Street Fighter V and King of Fighters 14, female characters are more sexualized, more fan-service friendly than ever before. Uh, look, at, look at Juri. In Street Fighter 4, she was skinny with small breasts, she wore loose pants, and even though I thought she showed a lot of skin, she wasn't sexualized. She was cool and powerful. There was a bit of sexiness in behavior, but it came solely from her strength and as a way to show she was in control. In Street Fighter V, tight, cr- tight clothes, big breasts, and big ass in your face. That seems to go—the same goes for the other characters in Street Fighter and King of Fighters. Why do even characters like Leona have, and King have big, bounce, bouncing boobs? It's weird and out of touch with where with where culture is going. Um, Nothing against sexy characters like Mai, but not every character should be like her, and they weren't as much in the past. Why are the designers doubling down to this type of cheap fan service in 2017? Any theories or thoughts?
1: I main, Jerry, and uh, I was so excited when I found out she was coming to Street Fighter V because I've— easily spend 100 hours playing as her. Um, I love Jerry. I have mad love for that character. And seeing what they did to her in Street Fighter V, I played with her maybe for a total of 10 minutes because I'm so disgusted by the the design changes they made to her. And you're dead on. Like Street Fighter V is really hard to play because every character in that game is so hypersexualized, sexualized um, And especially with Tekken. Um, you know, you mentioned King and Nina, you know, this is a game where, uh, you know, Nina and Anna are both just so ridiculously over-sexualized to even more degrees every single time a new game comes out. It's, it's really hard for me as a feminist to play them and enjoy them just to really be honest with you. Um, I think it comes that way because I, I think Japan is like stuck in a rut uh, you know, there's a reason that, you know, the West, generally speaking, rules the video game world these days. Um, and, you know, no one in the West has really made a really big bet in fighting games the way that Japan has. Um, I think that could very easily change. But what I think is so notable about Persona 5, which, Steve, I'm going to make you play. Jessica, if you will play it, I will invite you back on the show so we can talk about it. But what is so interesting to me about Persona 5 is in the 20 hours I'm into it already, um, the last one was so hypersexualized to a degree it was really uncomfortable what they did to Reset. This one deals with um, you know, with storylines about sexual assault and rape, but it's a lot less exploitive. Um, like Anne is definitely a hyper-sexualized character, but there's not the constant fan service moment. So I was very happy to see Persona 5 moving away from that. Um, but you're right. This is a real problem with fighting games.
2: Yeah. And, and even like Nintendo is doing it now. Like I've been playing a decent amount of uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, which is the the one that's for iOS. And so I don't know why I keep playing that game, but I do. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just kind of like it's it's – like, like I'd shut my brain off for a few minutes and just move some things around. But so they did this, this Easter update where they took characters like Lucina and put them in like these really creepy, like Easter bunny outfits that are very like low cut and and revealing. And it's 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 weird. Like, I mean, Camilla's always Camilla from um, Awakening and Fates has always kind of been the sexualized character. But in those games, she was not she was kind of. an exception to some extent like the rest of the characters weren't quite as sexualized as she was but it's like a lot of the characters are just like over the top and like it's it's it is kind of especially even nintendo's doing it it's a little bit over the top and you kind of have to question it um but that's yeah that's that's the only question that that we had and um but you can but michael will tell you where you can send the rest (laughs) of your questions in for next week
0: Yes. Uh, if you would like to get in touch, here is how you can do that. You can call us at 508-418-3532 to leave a voicemail, or you can tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me. If you'd rather keep things private, you can send us a direct message. In any case, please let us know if we can use your name on the show because we default to anonymous. Go and review the show on iTunes if you got some time because we always love it when you do, and that definitely helps. You can find the show notes, Uh, at relay.fm slash disruption or probably just by looking down at the podcast app you're listening to this on right now. If you are looking for me online, you can find me at www.chihuahua.coffee, which has all the links you might want. And if we are looking for you, Jessica, where can people find you? <laughs>
3: um, so you can, I'm uh, at Jessica Dennis on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on my podcast, Ruffled Feathers. Uh, I am not going to spell out the URL for you because it's really long. So just search for Ruffled Feathers in the podcast app of your choice, and we should show up there. That's a show what do you I call
1: do. that for short? Ruff. Rough, rough. How do you how do you like talk about that in shorthand?
3: With, we like, call it RF.
1: <laughs> RF. Okay.
3: Okay. That's decent. I
1: think you should just call it
2: rough, and then it sounds like you're a dog barking whenever yeah, you talk about yourself. I your mean, show.
3: we it's a show where we complain a lot about um, how the world is basically about our doom, our inevitable doom. Yeah. So yeah. you know, yeah. Fair. We,
1: we we refer to uh, disruption as the D when we're playing the show. <laughs> I, I tell my spouse, I'm like, I gotta go do the D. Yeah.
2: We got, we got, we got, we got a big D tonight. Yeah. We got the D. We oh,
1: got the Steve. D. Uh, I,
0: that does not happen in this household. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. <laughs> now I got you the D. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, that's, uh, ruffled feathers sounds great. My feathers are a little ruffled right now talking about the D. Um, if, <laughs> Steve, if people are looking, oh, uh, did you name all the places we could find you? Oh, Just I don't sure. know. You do, can find
3: them all from my Twitter. Okay. Did you great. say what your Twitter is? I am <laughs> Jessica Dennis, okay. which okay. I already I, said. The D but
2: just threw everything again. off. I'm yes. so sorry.
0: As uh, it does. <laughs> as it does. Steve, if people yeah. are looking for you, where could they find you?
2: So, if you are one of the listeners who is interested in my thoughts on Hearthstone, because um, the new set just came out today as we're recording this, and I was a guest on uh, the Happy Hearthstone podcast with my friend Andrew Brown, and we. Uh, talked about the new set in excruciating detail. So if you would like three hours of dissecting all the cards in the set that we only got through half of them, and we're going to do another, another half in a couple of weeks, I will put a link to the show notes where you can go hear that. And please do, because my voice died for that episode. And uh, as usual, you can find me uh, posting screenshots of the cards that I unpacked from the new expansion
0: <laughs> at Wicked Good on Twitter. And Bree, if people are looking for you online or elsewhere, where can they find you?
1: Uh, I will. Steve, are you ready with the profanity marker for the show? Oh, <laughs> I, I will tell you where you can find me online. But first, I want to give a very sincere fuck you to Charles Anderson. He tweeted the disruption account to show <laughs> off pictures of his Audi TT Mark Three, just to rub it in my face. He has this gorgeous, gorgeous gorgeous Audi TT Mark 3 this is a car that will compete with the high-end Porsche it is $70,000 of awesome I have a Mark 1 and he's just got to like show it off to us and I don't <laughs> appreciate that so I just want to say you Charles <laughs> as My- soon as I get $70,000 I will I'll be right there tweeting you with pictures of mine but it will be in a better color so, I just want to let you know that. So, um, and you can also see me at my uh, very mild mannered, <laughs> very, very calm, almost, it's sort of like the Reader's Digest of Twitter. It's very innocuous uh, Twitter account <laughs> known as Space Cat Gal.
0: I have to say, my favorite part of that were the the photos that were accompanied with. Uh, with uh, Wow, I can't think of the term, but it boom and vroom, vroom, and it's right. just these beautiful photos of the car, right. and th- I mean, th- this is a nice-looking car.
1: Micah, uh, it, is, it is, if I remember correctly, it's 550 horsepower. The one problem with it is it doesn't have a manual gearbox, so you have to shift with paddles on the steering wheel. It's like, who wants to do that? The entire fun of driving a sports car is the manual, as Steve will find when I kidnap him for a special episode <laughs> of Disruption and just man- him see how fast and unsafe my car is yeah i'll probably get the airbags fixed before that. yeah please so, get yeah. the
0: airbags
2: fixed first. just do that does it does it come with a car seat
0: yeah. Mm, yes
2: you know. for Steve, yeah. it's a Steve. Yeah for me, I need a 5 point seat. harness if we're going on this uh, going on this ride, I think. <laughs> I,
1: I may get uh, professional racing seats put in. So
3: we'll have to oh. see. Oh cool.
2: Okay. Uh, uh can I, get, I can I get full Oat? body armor and like a, like a suit like a, <laughs> a like a suit of arms and you know a shield? You want
3: those fireproof suits that the race car drivers have? That would be cool.
2: No, I, I just uh, basically want one of those giant bubbles that you roll down hills in. That's what I think I need.
1: I have never had a speeding ticket, Steve. I've never said so just want you to think. So, you've about never seen police outran the cops. Right.
0: Uh. <laughs> uh, uh. I, I, lastly,
1: I want to note that if
0: Georgia Dow were here, she would tell you that you could find her at anxiety videos.com or on Twitter at Georgia underscore Dow or Georgia at imore.com if you'd like to send her an email. And please, as Brie mentioned, do send some love to our lovely and wonderful Georgia Dow. Um, she, of course, is friend of the internet, and I feel like she spends a lot of time making a lot of people feel really good, and it would be great if uh, you sent her some some love or hugs or whatever.
2: Yeah, I'm sure she would appreciate that a lot.
0: All that's left is for Steve to say that thing he says every week, so Steve, take it away. Micah, how
2: can you not like Disney? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: My heart is slowly unfreezing after the the arguments that Brie made, so yeah, who knows? Good, Maybe good. I'll be at Disney one day. Guys, you know what we just did? We did the D. <laughs> <laughs> I did no Ds on this show. There are no Ds. No. Uh. We, we
1: all did the D. Micah. Like, uh, I don't I, understand why you're so... Well,
0: because when I Shane comes understand. home and I tell him I did the D tonight, he <laughs> might break up with me. So Aww, that's why this is no... This is no. I, don't,
1: I went to a Christian school, Micah, so I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> yeah. What do you think I, we're talking I, about? I went to church twice this week, so... Yeah,
0: um, I don't know what you're talking about. And now you're talking about the D. This is, yeah, okay. yeah. have got the
1: D. Yeah, it's all about the D. I love the D. I love <laughs> the D. No, okay, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> the D. Did you like being on the T? <laughs> oh
3: Nothing could have been more delightful. Oh my ah. God. Uh, I am D oh. E
0: A D, is what I am. Um, oh my right, God. God.
1: I look forward to the D next week. Alex. <laughs> yes, <Bye. laughs>
0: the, the D is the best part of my week.
1: Mm. I. Mm.
2: <laughs> Good night. Bye.
0: How is this not letting me hang up?